welcome to our podcast of two fish and five loaves. We pray for edification, we pray for understanding, and we pray for a relationship in you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hello, I'm Reverend David Owens, and I want to welcome you to our podcast of Two Fish and Five Loaves. Our goal is centered around lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. We desire that you come to a knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ Christ, through conversations of our faith with others. We all come to an understanding of the faith that we practice through different experiences and through the sharing of our experiences, our relationships grow, and the body of Christ is edified and strengthened, so let's talk. Today, my guest is Don Ballard, and he is the president of CMS, a group that does urban ministries, and uh, they have locations around the country. I'm going to let him talk about that some more, and I know he's from Houston, Texas. Are you in Houston now, Don? I'm I'm in Columbus, Ohio, just outside of Columbus, Ohio, actually, and I've lived here for the last four years, but uh, God in his goodness is leading us back to Houston this next summer where I plan to live and retire and uh, get ready for Jesus there. Mm, God bless you. Well, let, let's let's start off with the first question. The first question is the obvious question. Uh, what is your faith? And uh, talk tell us about the faith that you practice. Well, I, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, family very involved in, in church, and uh, I, I don't remember a time in my life where church wasn't um, both uh, an expectation and a part of, of our regular uh, weekly gatherings on Sundays especially, but, but Wednesdays and anything else that went on. And then that included summer programming for, for uh, children and for youth. And for youth, um, that meant that I was, you know, I would go to, to summer camp at our campground that our denomination had and and then later on would be involved in uh, mission trips and those type things and uh, as a as a uh, kid that was 15 uh, right right after my sophomore year of high school I uh, went to Washington DC on a mission mm-hmm. trip um, mm-hmm. kind of a youth conference type thing and and for the first time in my life well the first time I'd ever been out of the south Mm-hmm. And for the first time in my life, was was in a major city. While while I li- have lived in Houston the last fifteen or so years, I grew up in a small southern town, mm-hmm. and and so I'd never really been to the big city, and never saw or witnessed any of the problems of the city, and then certainly never saw a church that was engaged in city issues and community development issues, and and so I spent that week really with eyes wide open and with my heart kind of being ripped out, but in a good good way a godly way and mm. uh and and really i i trace back my my connection to god's calling on my life to that point even though i wasn't um wasn't really a disciple at that point i, I was mm-hmm. familiar with christianity i i trusted christianity in the church but mm. but was just kind of going because that was an expectation and a part of what my parents had always done Mm. And and at, at that point, really began thinking on a deeper level about about Jesus and about what what He meant in my life and what that might mean for my future. And mm. I didn't I didn't settle those questions really in high school. It was in college 
where I, I continue to find ways to serve people, uh, especially in, in the area of homelessness, but, but in other areas of, of need as well. But, but while I was going to college, and, and all the while doing that, felt like this is what God has called me to do. Mm. And then as a, as a junior in college, I, I, I came to both a saving faith and a committed faith, um, uh, not just not just being relieved that that I felt like my sins had been forgiven and and that I I could call myself a Christian, but but having the sense that I'd been invited to being a follower of Christ mm. and let letting Him be Lord, and mm. and from that point on that's that's the way I've lived my life. Um, that was in in uh, at Christmas of 1992, mm. Mm. and. Mm. And so from, from that point to this point, that's the way I've lived my life. Not, not perfect, and, and, and certainly not perfect and not without sin, but, but as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Christ, and as, as one who every day uh, tries, to, uh, tries to remind myself and then bear witness that Christ is Lord. Yes, yes. You, know, you, you, you and I share a similar track. Because I was born and raised in a church. I, 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 at five years old, they had me in the church by yeah. a Sunday at Sunday school and all that. And I like to tell everybody, even though I was raised in a church, went through the church experience all my life, my younger life, I was the biggest devil in the church. Yeah, yeah. That 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 I, it was the, it was the faith of my parents, my family. That was my tradition. But there comes a time when you have to sell it yourself. What you, right. were, what you were just saying, and, yeah. and 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 we all have a similar track. So I, I appreciate you um, bringing that out. Um, and so um, because that leads into the next question about uh, you, because you particularly said a particular day that you experienced that uh, your own that it become your own faith in Christ, and um, you know, and you became a follower of His. And I'm glad you said that because. Uh, a lot of us are stuck on the fact that if you were a believer in Jesus Christ, you were a disciple. But it's not, you know, what Christianos, where the term Christian came from, were the followers of Christ. There's a yeah. movement. Even the demons believe. So I want you to talk more about how you came to your understanding of the faith that you were practicing. Well, so... Um, you know I, that that word follower is important to me and and important to the historical church as you pointed out. I I think it's it's more more common today for people to be a fan of Jesus, mm. um, or or even to say that they're a friend of Jesus. They want to be friendly with Jesus, and and I'm I'm glad people are fans. I'm glad people are friendly towards Jesus, um, but but neither one of those are saving places. Neither one of those yes. are committed or discipling places. Yes. Um, you, you, you've got to you've got to see past being a fan of of maybe liking some of the things he said or or some of the ways he treated people, um, or be, trying to be friendly with him because it soothes the conscience. You got to be a follower. You got to be someone mm-hmm. who who is, is chosen not to follow your own way, but to follow follow mm-hmm. his way. And and sometimes the, those ways can be parallel, but sometimes they are going in the opposite direction. Yes. Um, I, I, I really, really an awakening moment for me. I, I wanted to be a, a lawyer, and I had some um, political aspirations um, at, late in high school and in early college. And I, I got involved. In, my major was political science um, mm-hmm. early on, uh, and my my first degree was in social sciences. But because by the time I came to faith and answered my call, it was really too late to switch to theology. So I, I picked that up in seminary. 
and mm-hmm. stayed with my social sciences. So, so a lot of my early training was, you know, in political science and sociology and psychology and those type things. And um, I, I, anyway, I was on the political science track and was working for a, a congressman in Tennessee in, in the fall of 92 during the election season. He was a, a, a United States congressman, but mm-hmm. his district was in Nashville. And and I got involved. They they had extra interns that that fall because it was an election year, a presidential election year. Mm-hmm. And I was involved in that. And the night of the election, I stood in the ballroom, uh, and it was it was um, at, at the Opryland Hotel. I stood in the ballroom, and there was I don't know a couple thousand people there. And almost I, I won't say it was an out of body experience, but I had a, a surreal moment there, where I could kind of see myself standing in the midst of this big crowd of people. Who, by all standards of the world's measurement, were successful people. They were they were people of prominence, people of wealth, people that had the connections to be invited to a political rally on the night. And it was really really a victory gathering for this particular congressman. Mm-hmm. And I was I was there and and had um, and and it was obvious that me and a couple of other guys that I, that I went to school with and were in in this internship with that we were on the track to make our way to DC or to wherever politically we wanted to go. And the Lord just kind of whispered to me, is this what you really want? Mm. Um, and, and I think I even heard him say, because you've got it. it it's here for you to take, hold out your hand. Is this what you really want? Mm. And, mm. and I surveyed the crowd a little more closely at that point, and I, I I began to notice and be bothered for the first time in a, in many years um, at at what what I would say biblically would say was the debauchery of successful people. Mm, yes, yes. And and I just kind of said to myself, I don't really think this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And I and and so that would have been early November of '92, and I, and I went back. Went back to my campus that night and uh, spent really the next few weeks really troubled. Uh, I, I continued to report for that internship and do the things that you do at the end of a of an election and and those type things. And and I went home for Christmas mid December. And instead of going out and connecting with other high school friends that were home for college, uh, I I spent a lot of time at home and a lot of time in my bedroom just kind of thinking and reflecting and reading the Bible. Mm. And, mm. and while I had read the Bible before and I, and, and even at that point in my life I had three or four Bibles, I'm sure that had been given to me by family over the years. I hadn't really read it deeply and, mm. and really, really for direction. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd read it more for information yes. and, and, and that type of stuff. I was reading it for direction now. And, and as I, I read, read it, uh, I was reading out of the, the gospel of John. Uh, that particular night in December of 1992, and to borrow the words kind of from John Wesley when he had his um, saving moment uh, at Aldersgate Street, I, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I began to really mm. feel mm. my heart warming up and, and burning for God and mm. and began to pray and, and call out to the Lord. And, of course, he wasn't far away, and he wasn't hard to reach. Mm. Mm, that's, that's 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 excellent. I, I I you know you you struck on the point where you said a lot of us, particularly ministers, particularly pastors, and those who are church leaders, read the Bible for information. Yeah, but uh, reading it for direction 
is rare. <laughs> yeah. And I and I hate to say it, not not to not to castigate against anybody, but see with with leaders leaders in the Christian faith are taught I gotta lead, I gotta lead my people. So I have to find out the information of how Jesus did. I have to find the information on what Jesus would do. And it's not that he just got to take it personal. He's your personal savior. Yes, there's corporate relationship with uh, Jesus and his church, but there is a personal relationship that he has with each and every one of us that sometimes we lack and miss. We miss out on that. Um, And it's usually our fault because we don't, we don't pursue it. But, you know, that leads me to my next question, which usually I ask people about, um, you know, what are they doing with the practice of their faith and what they believe in? And I know that you were involved with a, 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 a company named CMS or a ministry, CSM, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so um, please tell us more about uh, what CSM is doing sure. around the country. So CSM stands for City Service Missions. Mm-hmm. And 30 years ago, we, we were founded to be a, an organization that, that facilitated short-term mission trips to the inner city and began in Los Angeles, uh, and we now have staff and operations in nine cities, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Denver, Houston, Nashville, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and New York City. Mm-hmm. And, and each summer, we will, we will have student teams, high school student teams, sometimes college student teams that, that come and work with our staff for a week of training and service and enlightenment, what, what, we, what we might even say is transformation in the way that they see their life and potentially their calling of God um, to not just be a, a consumer and a taker from the city, but to be a lover of the city and, and one who is, is working for the betterment or the growth or the healing in some cases of, of city life. Mm-hmm. And, and so we'll have between uh, five and 6,000 participants this year who mm-hmm. go to one of those nine cities and, and do a short ter- short-term trip, many of whom will spend their life um, following God as a pastor or a, a Christian social worker or doctor or counselor or youth pastor or of some other sort, whether it's in a faith-based role or in a uh, more of a, of a public or private role, but they do it from a from a Christian perspective that we hope or we think either was born through a CSM trip or maybe was encouraged or nurtured through a CSM trip. Mm. Mm, that's very powerful. I remember I was in a discussion with you and John Mackey, who we – or both know, um, and you were talking to him about the trip, and you were talking to him particularly about when some of these uh, people from a rural area are introduced to an urban situation that is life-changing for them. Yeah, yeah. So the majority of the of the church groups, student groups that come on on trip with us, they live in the suburbs, or they mm-hmm. live out they live out in the country. They live in in rural settings, mm-hmm. and. And so they're not um, familiar with uh, the city necessarily. So, so they see the city on TV or they see it on Facebook, you know, those type things, and they have this romantic idea about what the city is like. But they mm-hmm. also probably have this idea of some of the, the brokenness of the city. And so mm-hmm. they, they either romanticize about the city or they fear the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those that live in the suburbs um, that are familiar with the city – their familiarity 
involves them going downtown to eat at a at a nice restaurant or going to a ball game or or a, a concert um, or maybe going to some type of uh, museum or something that's, that's down in the city. And so, so a suburban kid is familiar with kind of the best things or the good things or the safe things of the city. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I believe, and, and we talk about this freely, that, that whether you live in the suburbs or out in the country and you're coming on a CSM trip for the first time in the city, our, our hope is that you won't come and just consume the good things and then get out of the city before it gets dark and things get unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that you, will, you will see both the good and the bad. Um, you'll you'll see places where Christ is and places where places where it doesn't seem Christ has ever been, and that that through that experience you will you will be a, a, a person who loves the city, who prays for the city, who uses your your uh, capital, whatever that is. And teenagers don't necessarily have great capital from a from an influence standpoint or a wealth standpoint, but they will one day when they are working and 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 are active leading citizens. Mm-hmm. Use that capital to be someone who speaks into and helps improve the schools in the city or crimes in the city or addresses drug problems and challenges in the city. Um, you know, the, the the world is moving to the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, by 2050, over 90% of the population in the world mm. is going to live in a metro area. Mm. Mm. So so it's not just a matter of this is a, a, a good or a unique idea. I, I think this is this has to be the strategy of the church. To yes. help people that that aren't familiar with the city and aren't 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 um, uh, comfortable necessarily in the city, to to co- become that way and to, to see mm-hmm. the city again not as a store to come and consume experiences from, and not just as a place that needs to be pitied or avoided or or looked down upon, but as as a place where God is at work. Mm-hmm. God's at work because the church is there. Mm-hmm. That's correct. That's correct. You know. Um, as a person who was born and raised in the, in the, in the heart of the city, born and raised in, in Philadelphia, um, known as a dangerous city, but that's, I loved it, um, to a person who spent time down on the farm with family in a rural situation and also uh, spent some quite a few years in the suburbs, I find that they're all asking the same question, how can I be a better person? Mm. How can I live right? And we all know that the answer to that is to follow Jesus Christ. But they are asking similar questions, and hopefully our our uh, desire is they come to the same result. Uh, they come to Jesus Christ. Um, now, question is, how does your faith help you during difficult and challenging times? Um, you know, people are watching to see how Christians go through difficulty. Um, but how has your, your, your practice of your faith helped you with some challenging times? Well, it's helped me because, um, David, very quickly when I'm challenged with something or, or by somebody or by an issue, very quickly I, I come to the end of myself. Mm-hmm. Come to the, the end of my ability to be creative or to be tough or to be resourceful or any of those things. So, that, so then I begin looking for help. Mm-hmm. And the only place in my life where I have found constant, consistent, compassionate help, every time I've ever sought it, has been from God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have found help in other places from time to time. I have found comfort in other places 
from time to time, but never consistent and never really compassionate, but always with God. When, when I'm, I'm challenged, when I am um, struggling, when I am um, beaten, uh, when I'm at the end of the road, always mm-hmm. God's there and God is willing and God is a source of comfort and strength and hope and help. And, and the quicker that, that I remember that, you know, and, and the quicker that I recognize that as, as a need or an opportunity in a situation, uh, the quicker I am to move on to healing and to hope mm. and to that next place. Mm. Mm. That's, that's, that's very important for people to understand and hear that um, we have this hope, this eternal hope in a Christ Jesus that cannot fail. Yes. Um, that, that, doesn't, that does not mean that we won't go through difficult or challenging times. Yeah. That does, doesn't mean that if we go through difficult and challenging times, we somehow we've gotten away from following God. That just means that there's that God sometimes allows difficult and challenging times to hone us and to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I, I love I love Paul's words in Colossians, um, mm-hmm. first chapter. Yeah, where, where he's talking about Christ, yeah, and says that 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 it, Christ is in you, and he's That's the right. hope. That's he's right. the hope of glory. Now, now defining glory and imagining glory is is really a hard thing for us. Mm-hmm. Really, our only our only image of that is when we think about the king or the the queen of England or another crown country, and there's there's some glory involved in that, or Maybe we we imagine the glory of winning the Super Bowl or an NBA championship or something like that. But thoughts of glory typically fade pretty quickly. And and we, the normal person, we we really can't define what glory is, but we can define what hope is. You know, yeah. We, we can we can see and sense that that hope is something that looks beyond ourselves, beyond our struggles, beyond our challenges, but also looks beyond the things that strengthen us and encourage us, and and beyond the things that 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 in this world that makes us confident in ourselves or in the world, hope says, don't, don't look at these things you have your hands on and don't, don't even hold on to these things that bring you comfort in the temporary moment. Mm-hmm. But let your hope be in Christ. That is an eternal hope for the glory of God, not just in the future, but eternity includes the present and it includes the past. Right. Yeah. And so, so Christ who is in you is this hope of the glory of God. That is an eternal hope. It's mm-hmm. an eternal glory that does not fade, it does not wither, it does not, not lose its luster in any way, but it's constant as we are in communion with Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Um, now, I know both you and I have a high um, value for the church, the church life, but I know sometimes, sometimes you're, the organized church um, can can beat and bruise people, not because they want to, but by by accident. Um, how would you talk to someone who feels that they've been beaten up by the church experience? Well, so that's that's really everybody you talk to, isn't it, David? Right? <laughs> yes, a great answer. Yeah. So everybody everybody should have that feeling and if they don't, they're in denial at some place in their life. And the reason is not because the church is a bad thing or an unsafe mm-hmm. thing, but it's because the church is full of people. Yes. And and and, and God wants it that way. 
and when I say full of people, I mean full of imperfect, sometimes selfish or carnal people. And God wants it that way, uh, not not so that that we can experience the bumps and bruises and difficulties and and be able to put a medal on our chest, mm. um, but but so that collectively and together we may hear and discern and sense and follow the leading and the truth of the Lord in our life. Yes. So I, I, I would say this. Uh, the Bible, the Bible says this in so many different ways um, throughout the New Testament, and and even implies it uh, in Old Testament stories in, in the Hebrew Scriptures. But 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 nearly every one of the the epistles in the New Testament mm-hmm. begins by addressing chaos in the church or conflict mm-hmm. in the church, and and. In several places, it, it, it says. In fact, I think I think Second Corinthians and, and the church in Corinth was was maybe the the church most like the American church today, and mm-hmm. and maybe has has the most scandals of any of the New Testament church. I, I may be wrong about that, but that's just kind of my reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's Second Corinthians, but it could be First Corinthians. The Paul says, "Hey, um, you have experienced the affliction." Of of Christ in the same mm-hmm. way that Christ experienced affliction in his earthly ministry, mm-hmm. but you also can experience the comfort that Christ experienced when God comforted him even in his death on the cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so what I would say to people is, yeah, they, I, I'm not in denial. There's conflict in the church. There's chaos in the church. There's hurts in the church for sure, for real. And and if you think that you've lived through every one of them, you're you're kind of being foolish because there's another one. That's correct. Somewhere down the road. But That's in the correct. same way that, that you have been bumped and bruised, you've also received the healing ointment of the presence mm-hmm. of Christ in your life that comes and brings healing in those moments. If if you've thought that, if you if you've accepted that, if you've received that. Mm-hmm. No, that, that that is a great answer. There is power in the church and sometimes it is misused, but the ultimate power comes from Christ. Um Yes, I, I, I'm 100% agreeable with you. Um, quick question, and this is hard for a preacher, and I know you are a preacher. Yeah. Uh, can you describe your relationship with Christ in a few words? No. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> no, I, 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 I think I would say this. You know, it, it would be easy, and it would be true. Um, for me to say uh, he's my everything, mm-hmm. uh, that he's my friend, he's my savior, he's my Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those would be true, and they, they would be worthy, and they're, and they're biblical things to say. I, I think I would go back to, to the word that we used just a, you know, a few minutes ago mm-hmm. and say that, that in just a few words, Christ is my hope. Yes. He, he's my hope that, that, that I'm, not, I'm not the one that has to save myself. He's my mm-hmm. hope that I'm not the one that has to discern or decide what the way forward is. He, he's my hope that when I am confronted or I am attacked, that he is my defender. Yes. Uh, he's my hope that, that when I worry uh, about things of tomorrow or things of years that are ahead, I know that he's gone before me and that he's establishing a place of comfort and healing and help and hope. And and prominence in all those ways. So, so it, in only a few words, if you only give me a few words, I would just say simply that that Christ mm-hmm. is my hope. Yes. And, 
and that is an open-ended, extended, ongoing conversation and description about the role he plays in my life. Yes, that is great. Um, now, you know, I, I know we've talked about a Paul a couple of times. Now, I'm going to allow you to be Paul. I'm going to allow you to be the modern-day Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I want you to give your closing argument about bringing others to your faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a good good question and a, and a, and a great way to to kind of pull some of these things together. I, um, you know, I, I use the word con, consumption or consuming in talking about the city, um, and 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 I think that's the way a lot of people see everything in life, um, especially if they're Americans. But but the world has gotten so global, and mm-hmm. and the world has. I think has bumped up a little bit in its affluency or at least in its availability of things. Mm-hmm. I, I think many parts of the world are, are, have become consumers in ways that a generation ago that they just weren't. Um, yeah, I, when I think about all the cell phones in Africa, on the continent of Africa right now, I, th- that amazes me. I've not been to Africa, but, but I, I see on TV people just out in the bushes with cell phones. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, Where's your cell tower, and you know <laughs> how are you using that out there? But 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 the world is is consuming things, and mm. and uh, you know the way that, that that things are bought and sold, and the way that things are eaten and tried and experienced in in this world is is at a growing rampant pace. And the most important thing in the world that people seek after today is experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to experience. Vacations. We want to experience food. We want to experience, um, you know, great sex. We want to experience. You know, you just go on and on down the line. People want to experience mm-hmm. these things, and that in part is because people know that that things very rarely last very long. Mm. So you have you have to experience them and be in the moment. You have to enjoy that. Yes. Moment. And so, so we no longer say, "I want to possess this" or "I want to own that." We say, "I want to experience this." Yes, because we're we're constantly consuming this, and even if we owned that something, as soon as we owned it, we would see something else that we wanted to own that we we would need to try and figure out how do we get on that. So so we we lease and we borrow and we experience things now. Does that make sense? Yes, yes it does. Yes so, it does. So I would say this to my brother or sister who's thinking about God. Um. Your whole life likely has been shaped and funneled by this idea of consuming things and experiencing things. And at the end of all that consumption, at the end of all those experiences, you likely sense a real emptiness and loneliness in your life. Mm-hmm. So if I'm closing this case, I would just say I, too, have experienced a whole lot. Um, I've consumed a lot of things in my life. And the next morning, or maybe even by the end of the day, the only thing that I've ever laid my hands upon or attached myself to or experienced that was still there, that still had value and meaning, that was still relevant in any way, mm-hmm. was my relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah. And, and in the same way that in December of 1992, sitting in my uh, my bedroom at home, in South Mississippi, reading the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. Not something that was new to me. I'd been in that room before. I'd read that Bible before. I'd, I'd read John before. It had been Christmas before in my life. All those things weren't new. 
But what was new was that I was seeking direction for God in my life and and seeking transformation from being a sinner into being what the Bible talks about as a saint, someone connected yes. to Christ and following yes. Him. And for the first point in my first time in my life, I moved from just trying to consume and experience a, a, a religious connection or a religious affiliation. I connected to Christ in a way that that I've never gotten away from, and He's never mm-hmm. gotten away from me. So my my invitation is that 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 didn't happen to me because I was special or unique, um, because I was uh, you know at my own home or I was I'm from the south or I went to the right college or any of those things. It simply happened to me because I'm created in the image of God. Yes, and that yes. God values me above all other creations, not all other people. I'm I'm equal to all other people. But but gotcha. of all other creations, God values us because we yes. bear his image. Yes. yes. And and as someone who bears the image of God and has made it imperfect because of, of sin and shame, God says, come to me if yes. you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're beaten down, if you're bruised, if you're confused, if you're misdirected, if you're sick, if you're dying, mm-hmm. come to me. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you rest and healing and help and hope and all those things so that your life is not about chasing the next experience or consuming the next thing that you think will bring you happiness. But your life yes. will be about following me and letting me make you into the image of my son, Jesus. Yes. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um I want to give you the opportunity to make any closing statements or observations before we uh, before we end the podcast. So um, you have the floor. Well, thank you. I I, I really have. First of all, I'd, I'd say to you, thanks for including me in this podcast. And and even if it wasn't being recorded, I've enjoyed just having a conversation with you, David. Um, oh, thank and, you. And and you know, when we met last week, um, you know, pa- pastors. Pastors should have a kindred spirit, but that's not always the case. But mm-hmm. but I sense that we had a kindred spirit, and then yes. and then as as you've invited me to, to join this and 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 talk to me a little bit more about David Owen's ministry, I I, I really see and sense that you are not only doing things in ministry for the for the Lord, but you're doing things as partners with the church and partners with pastors. Mm-hmm. And you are, uh, I think, a, a lover of, of those who are serving the Lord as pastors and as Christian leaders. And so yes. that's important to me. That's important to me. Um, so I, I, I would I would just say to you, brother, keep on doing it. Keep on serving in your role there in, in Philly and, mm-hmm. and, then, and then making it um, making it global through uh, Internet and, and you know, podcasting and those type things and, and seeing who you can reach. That you will probably never know or meet, but 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 God will know. Mm. Thank but, you. But my closing remarks is, is essentially uh, uh, that that anybody that, that that listens to this, um, I I want to just encourage you and implore you to use your gifts and calling for the Lord, mm-hmm. and not for any other direction or any other profit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm using mine. Um, in a in a role now uh, in the inner city, um, and you're using yours primarily in a lot of different ways, but but in this context, as a as someone interviewing and trying to get the word of God 
out mm-hmm. in different ways and from different voices. And and we need millions of brothers and sisters using their gifts that God has given them in ministry for others so that the kingdom is expanded and that the church is strengthened and so that the hope of the glory of God is expanded into the hearts and minds of everybody. Yes. And, and and not every brother and sister is going to start a podcast. Not every brother and sister is going to lead a, a inner city nonprofit. Um, some are going to plant churches. Some are going to be Christian counselors. Some are going to be uh, medical professionals. Some are going to serve in government. Some are going to do just a variety of different things. So, some are going to work in daycares, loving on babies and protecting them as they grow up in those fragile years. And that, that those are all godly places to be among others um use your gifts for god don't mm-hmm. use them for yourself mm. that's that's my that's my closing thought oh well i want to thank my brother don that has been a great a great interview i want to ask the lord bless him for his ministry and his family and his move back to houston yeah and um all of the things that have that have gone on here he he, he talked about the image of God is on us. So allow that image of God to be in each and every one of you who listen today. God bless you, and I want to remind you that Jesus is Lord. Have a great day. Amen. Thank you for listening. Our prayer is that you return and listen to our additional episodes. God bless you. Have a great day.